Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Changemaking Podcast with Chloe Mestagi. Each episode will introduce an area of technology that needs work and highlight the changemakers working on it. Join Chloe and guests as they tap into their passion about equity and rights for all. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to another episode of the Changemaking Podcast on ITSP Magazine. And today we're going to talk about gatekeeping. And with me, I have the wonderful Naomi Buckwalter. If you do not know Naomi, she's quite active on LinkedIn and has incredible posts about how the job market is in InfoSec and how we can be better. Uh, But she is the founder and executive director of Cybersecurity Gatebreakers Foundation. Naomi, welcome, and thanks for being on. Chloe, it's amazing to be here. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. So, Naomi, let's get started. Tell us, how bad is gatekeeping right now in information security? Yeah, dude, dude. (laughs) It's it's pretty bad, but then if you define gatekeeping in a specific way, I think it'll make more sense. But I think to me, the simplest definition of gatekeeping is like the status quo. It's the status quo is what we're doing now. It's it's like maintaining the status quo and not thinking it's a problem. So gatekeeping is maintaining the status quo. So if you take a look at what InfoSec looks like today, we have thousands of unfilled jobs, right? Depending on the study of the day, right? I think the most recent numbers, uh, 314,000 unfilled jobs in the United States or 3.5 million around the uh, globe. I don't think it's that bad. Hopefully, uh, if I wanted to sleep better at night, I really hope it's not that, but we certainly do need people. And even if 10% of that number is correct, it's still in the thousands. So we need plenty of people. Do we have the right people out there? I think we do. And the gatekeepers think that the people aren't out there. They think that they need five years of experience, a CISSP, a master's degree, right? Like all the things that we see in the job descriptions. And I actually know this as a fact and not just anecdotally. Uh, I did some research. Um, I went on LinkedIn and I took a look at their jobs page and I searched for entry-level cybersecurity and I filtered it down to just entry-level cybersecurity. And I realized out of all the ones that I found, uh, sorry, out of all the information security jobs that I looked at, 12.5% of them were tagged as entry-level, but then fully 50% of those 12.5% required five years of experience on average, a CISSP and a bachelor's degree. And, and I was just like scratching my head a little bit with that because I, I was thinking back to my own role and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't really need all that, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm quite hands-on with the technical stuff. I do strategy, but I don't need any of that. Like I could have learned that on my own. I could have uh, studied, but not taken the certification, right? Like there's so many things that I do need to know that aren't included in five years experience master's degree or a CISSP, you know? So I started thinking critically about what that means at large. And then I'm like, oh, wait. So the reason why we don't have enough people in cybersecurity is because of all the people who think we need all this extra stuff. So gatekeeping, long answer is a status quo. And it's definitely a huge problem because I know if folks that try to go into pen testing, it can take you know, up to two years to get their first role. And so they turn to me and they're like, what kind of certs can I get? 
What mm. kind of degree should I get? And it's so hard for me. So I should go get a mm. master's in cybersecurity. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How much is this? And they're like, oh, it's about like a, a hundred, a hundred K to get this degree. And I'm like, all right, this is what you're going to do. We're going to find a different way where you don't have to take out a loan. Mm -hmm. And it is one of those things where you, it's understandable when you're trying to get your first role, like they, they're going to look at your education, your certs a little bit more heavier um, because it's usually on the top of your CV, but it is one of those things where we have to come to recognize that, for example, in security, I'm pretty sure not all attackers have certs and degrees, but yet they're really good at what they do. So yeah. why are we demanding this out of our own folks in cybersecurity that are trying to protect from those attackers? Yeah, and we and that's just gatekeeping. You got it, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. And why are we still doing this to ourselves, right? Like think about all the stress and the burnout on your team. It's probably a really small team. You probably don't even have the organizational structure to support like strong information security at your organization. Like think about where you report to, does information security report to the board or the CEO, or does it report to like engineering, right? Or the CIO. And so even that, it makes our jobs harder. And so we have to start involving all our stakeholders and all the people who are like telling us that information security is important. Like, do you know of any executives out there who are going to be like, oh no, information security is definitely not important. Like no one's going to say that. They're going to be like, oh yeah, your security is a priority, right? Like they'll give you the song and dance, but then they don't act on it. They don't put their money where their mouth is. They're just like, oh yeah, we're going to tell our customers that we have great information security. And at the same time, right? Like stick you in the network closet. Like That's literally what we see sometimes. And if we're really serious about protecting the public and our futures, we really have to put our foot down and just say information security is an important part of everyday life. It's important to this organization that I work with and really start fighting for yourself and be like, I'm not okay with the status quo. I'm not okay with reporting to the VP of engineering. Like put your mouth out there and just be like, this is the reason why, like we're, we're fighting a bigger thing here. It's not just data. It's literally people's lives. And think about Chloe, like all the different breaches that are happening these days, and all the ransomware attacks, like it's attacking real places like hospitals, government buildings, like police stations, like all these places that have like real life complication or implications and also complications, but like real people are being affected. And like, that's not cool. I don't want to live in a world like that. And I think it's just going to get worse the more technologically advanced we get and the more interconnected everything becomes, like it's just going to get worse. So why are we maintaining the status quo? It makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I remember when I first got into InfoSec by pure accident and like in the first couple of years, I mean, not first couple of years, first couple of weeks, I started seeing that there was this trend when I was joining of basically attackers going after nonprofits. And what happens is that once they get into the database of these nonprofits, then they find out about the donors. Donors really like to be private and now the donors don't want to give again. And so then you can't complete your mission. So I started seeing this trend of nonprofits just disappearing. And that means those folks didn't get food. That means they didn't get medicine. That means they didn't get school. That means that those type of attacks definitely killed some kids in return. And that is so heavy. And so it is so important that 
we start investing in security and start talking about security. And it is one of those things. I think things are getting better because of the increase of breaches that companies are like, okay, maybe we should invest in security. That's my hope that know, we're still it's there. Like, it's like, oh, well, I touched the flame too much. I guess I should like not touch the flame anymore. It's like, like how many lessons do we need to go through before we realize how important this is? And like, are we willing to make a change? And I mentioned something before we started the recording, Chloe. I was like, no one's going to come to save us. Like literally, what are we waiting for? Superman is not out there. We need to save ourselves. And so the nonprofit I started is kind of just like, let's try, let's do something. I certainly complain enough. Like, why don't I put my money where my mouth is? And I literally have spent my own money on doing this, but like, why can't I do something? Right. Like, and so I, I've just started an organization, cybersecurity gatebreakers. And the idea is to convince people in the hiring manager seat, in the CISO level and in other executives to understand the importance of hiring the next generation. It literally requires, we do need more defenders at the mid-senior and senior levels, but they'll never get there unless we give them a chance and a safe environment for them to learn. And yeah, not, not every person is meant to be a teacher, right? But like, at least look for potential and here's how to do it, right? Give some resources to the hiring managers and to the security teams. Here's what you look for. Here's how you're going to train them, right? Here's a training plan. Here's a roadmap. And all these resources don't really exist out there. What we do have are tons of nonprofits and resources and training academies and stuff and mentors, right? For the supply side, we have plenty of people working on that, but there's almost nobody working on the demand side. There's people who, who don't believe. There are people who don't want to hire the next generation, they're just going to be like, oh, that's just a waste of my time. Or they're just going to leave for more money in two years. Like, why should I do this? Blah, blah, blah. But there's a greater good to be served here. It's not just your company or just your team. Think of the bigger picture. If you really, really care about your job, you're going to care about the wider implications of what security means for the world. And if you're okay with this, and I am, I can hire somebody and be okay with letting them go as long as you're still doing security. Like if they quit and do bird watching, like I will be heartbroken. But like if they stay in security and just do security somewhere else, that I'm okay with that because they're still in the ecosystem. They're still doing security. But for other people who are just like, no, I'd rather just poach, right? Like you're not going to solve the problems. You're just making it worse. Like be part of the solution. So I was very set on being part of the solution and not just being part of the status quo, which is why I started this thing. And someone honestly called me out on it, like um, online. They're like, well, you know, I muted her because she just complains too much. She doesn't do anything. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like I literally do just complain. Like that's really easy to do. It's easier to complain than to actually do something about it. So I'm trying to do something about it. And that's what's really important right now. It's, it's crazy how our industry doesn't think about how we have to train people anyway. Anytime we get a new role, you know, there's, there's a process of learning new tools, new platforms, but I feel like now things have changed a little bit where if people don't have that, you know, already skill set in a sense, like knowing how to use Burp Suite or Salesforce, and they don't list that on their resume, these recruiters will just reject them immediately because it, but it just explodes my mind in a sense, because this, these are trainable things to use. You can actually learn how to use these and it takes less than a month to learn, but that's part of getting a new job is training. And it's like, we've taken away that aspect that you're supposed to learn something in the beginning, first few months, how to use certain applications. We've just tossed that out the window now at this point, 
So now people, when they apply for jobs, like, oh, you don't have that background. Okay. We're not going far with you. We already want someone who already has used these products. And I think that's, that's, that's another form of gatekeeping. And it's also just a terrible, terrible way of just looking at people like, oh, we're not going to train you. You already need to know everything when you come in here. It's like, no, we're not replacement society here. Yeah, we're not going to outpoach and solve the solution, right? Like, you're totally right. And so I will just say, like, there, there's going to be a balance. You're not going to hire entry-level people for all your roles. You're going to need some junior, some mid-senior, some senior, right? Some tech leads. So you can't just source all from the pipeline. Like, you need literally all kinds. So, but here's my challenge to the community. Anyone who's listening, you can just hire an intern for the summer, like 90 days. Give them $20 an hour. Don't give them any benefits or PTO, like, and give them things that you don't want to do. Like there's grunt work and pretty much every specialty in cybersecurity, no matter what you're doing, like there's going to be grunt work, right? How many of us have been given a security questionnaire and just like, wow, like I'm getting paid to fill out an Excel spreadsheet. Like that's awful. What a complete waste of my time and a waste of my organization's money. So why not hire an intern, literally $20 an hour that I feel like that's fair especially someone in like, you know, just college or whatever, give them a summer, give them meaningful tasks. Like my intern over the summer, she wrote our IT response playbooks or security response playbooks for like really easy stuff. Like, you know, um, what if my laptop gets stolen? Like, what do I do? Right. Like, so like there's things that you can give them that literally anyone can do. It's as long as they're smart, which a lot of people are, you just have to recognize their potential. And if if you give them the right resources and they're all out there on the internet in their YouTube and like all the places, think about how well we do share some information. We share open source tools. We have frameworks. We have protocols, like all these things that we've built for each other. We're now at the place where we should be able to teach others because we've evolved. We're no longer just flying by this cedar pants. Is that a saying? I don't know. <laughs> um, but, or like, we're not just putting things out there, but we've tested things and tested things. The controls work, the frameworks work, you know, and we've had peer reviews and all these conferences. We talk about this. We're now at the point to release it and, and let it grow organically. Are we doing that? Not really. Like, and the data really shows that not just that, but all the people who have come into my DMS or asked for my help, they're really struggling. They want to make a difference. I mean, do some of them just want to get in for the money? Yeah. But like a majority of them actually want to make a difference and do it for the challenge and to provide stable careers for themselves. And like, I think we should look broader when in the pipeline, like we shouldn't be looking for a specific type of person. We should be looking for them as, for their potential. So my most recent position that I open, you won't even find the word years of experience anywhere in the job description, you'll just see knowledge of doing something. That's literally one way that we can very simply change the narrative here is like changing our job descriptions and the words we use. Um, like, you know, words really make a difference in people's lives. So take a look at the job descriptions that get the most applicants. I actually got 60 applicants in three days. And like, my company was like, that's unheard of. How did you do that? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just posted a link. Like, I didn't think it was that hard. But it really wasn't because I took the phrase years of experience off. You won't see that anywhere. I don't have anywhere that mentions you need two to five years of experience doing this. You need three to 10 years experience doing this. Like I never did any of that. I just said, you should know how to automate cloud security. You should know how to use cloud security services. Like there's 
it's very simple. Just simplify your language and you get a lot more people applying. You get a bigger net. You've cast a wider net. Now you can take a look at the potential in people because you're going to get so much diversity from all kinds of areas. Like it's so cool. And then what you do is you take away the unconscious bias or yeah, the unconscious bias. You try to like remove names, right? You try to remove educational levels and you look at them for their potential. And what very naturally happens, Chloe, is you actually end up with diversity. It's like the really coolest thing. If you hire with unconscious bias or removing unconscious bias and you hire the best, you're going to very naturally get diversity. I don't think it needs to be forced at all. I think it just can be like, oh, it's a natural result of hiring the best. It's pretty cool. So what can employers do when it comes to job postings to have kind of to allow these gates to be broken, I guess, in some ways. And I mean, I, I personally, I've noticed there was like an article a few months ago about how some of the job descriptions are gender coded. And this is one of the reasons they were looking at, is this the reason why, um, you know, those that aren't men are applying for these, uh, they're not applying for these roles because the job description that's written, it's gender coded for men cis men. And so it's really interesting to see, like you said earlier about the words, like certain words can really, you know, it can either mislead or it can enhance. It all depends. Yeah. I have so I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I'm not an expert in gender studies or anything like that. So I can really only tell you what I feel. I don't have any data or anything like that, but I could just say like, yeah, there are some things that are out there that turn people off. Like who look like me. So um, I'm a female Asian woman. Like there's, there's not a lot out there that not a lot of people that look like me, but I'm also okay with that. Like uh, we have to have an honest conversation about how many women are actually interested in cybersecurity. Like it's a, it's a pretty boring field actually. Like if you think about it, you're sitting in front of a computer all day, right? Like, but there's exciting parts to it too. So I think in general, I really don't know what the numbers, the pure numbers of people who are actually interested in versus the, the types of people who are applying for jobs, right? But we do want to be more careful with the language that we use. Studies have shown that uh, in the job description, if you use seven or fewer bullet points, you're actually going to end up with a better balance of female to male candidates. And so you can think about that and be like, how many bullet points do I have in my job description? Studies have shown seven or fewer. Okay, let's try seven today. You know, let's see what we get. And then here's another thing organizations can do is give people a chance, let them go through the interview process, give them that practice. So even though, you know, you might not hire them, you're building your pipeline of great candidates. You're like talking to people, helping them grow, right. And like having them practice for interviews and and having them understand what's required to be in certain positions. Like that only helps. That's never going to hurt. It's going to be like half an hour of your time. Like you're not, you're not going to do this all the time, like help builds, the next generation, this is how you're going to do it. You don't have to hire somebody, but at least give them a chance with an interview. You can do that. Um, the 60 people that actually ended up applying, I think I got 18 to go through the first round. And I'm uh, through weird things happening, I'm actually doing the hiring screens. Like I'm doing the screens and I'm happy to because 18 people are going to get a conversation with the hiring manager. They're going to understand what's needed for the role. And I'm going to give them an opportunity to talk about themselves. And you wouldn't believe how many people are bad at talking about themselves in an interview. Like they're super bad at it. So at least they're getting their practice. And I'm okay with that because I know I'm building a pipeline of great candidates for the next time I am looking for somebody, right? And I also know I'm helping them move forward in their career. So 
um, I think it's just having that mindset of like everyone has potential and your job as a leader is to really see the potential in others and help cultivate it. Here, here on that one. So Naomi, how can people get involved with your foundation? Let's talk about, you know, individual companies and also just for knowledge sharing, what are some asks that you have as well for, for the community? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, like people don't have to join the organization. There's plenty of room for that too. But if you're willing to break down the gates and a lot of people are, if you're listening and you're like, Hey, you know, if there's one thing I can do here, you know, just start seeing potential in people. That's literally all I'm asking. It's like, give someone a chance, give them 30 minutes of your time and have a conversation, meet them over coffee or a virtual chat. Like that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's gate breaking. That's, I mean, you know, that's, that's giving people a chance and seeing potential in people. So if there's one thing that you can do is looking for potential and seeing how people are smart, not seeing if they're smart. So changing the question, changing the mindset, that's one thing that I'm asking for, because when you start doing that, when you change your mindset and you say, how is this person smart versus is this person smart? And you start looking for people's potential. Then you start thinking of all the possibilities that that person can do in cybersecurity and infosec. Like you're like, oh, wow, you'd be great for GRC or you'd be great for SOC, right? Like, and you start helping them network and you start helping them with their career. Like there's little things, every little touch point is going to be a breath of fresh air and like the boost that somebody needs. I'm telling you, sometimes all it takes is like a, a quick little message. Be like, Hey, I was thinking about you just making sure you're okay. Like that's literally some, all people need. So one thing you could do is see people's potential. If you want to join cybersecurity gatebreakers, love to have you. We have plenty of volunteers. We have plenty of work to do. Cybersecuritygatebreakers.org is our website. And uh, there's like a sign up sheet. You can sign up there, but we're creating resources. We're talking to CISOs, right? We're trying to understand their needs. We're trying to really understand on the, on the demand side, what's what they think the supply side needs, right? And so like just getting some more data out there is really what we're trying to do. Uh, happy to have you, but honestly, if you don't have the time, I get it. You don't have to join us. Um, but it, the idea is to really fight against the gatekeeping that you do see. So in addition to seeing potential in others, you really want to start breaking down the gates that you do see. Like if you're in a conference and somebody's like, oh, well, you know, I don't think we should hire somebody that has no experience because reasons. Uh, you can just be like, well, you know, I know somebody who hired somebody else who had nothing. And like in my example, I hired a, an opera singer and, and she's crushing it, by the way. But like you just start um, breaking down the gates and then you're like, hey, if I see something online and somebody's being all like, oh, we have to, you have to have more gates, right? We need better security. And this is the only way we can do it. You can be like, okay, but yeah, I get that. You're right. Uh, how are we going to do that? Right? Like, how are we actually going to get better people? <laughs> are, are you going to help them get better? Or are you going to help and train the next generation? Right? Like really challenge them. Or if you see somebody like, oh, I'm not going to hire somebody because there's you say, you're like, oh, okay, well then you should give them, you know, reasons to stay right? Like give them training and career opportunities and give them more money, right? Like you want to keep them, don't you? Right? Like, yeah, okay. Then give them reasons to stay. And this is all gate breaking. This is all things people can do today. There's, you don't have to sign up for my foundation. You don't have to give me money. Oh, AKA I, I do need money. But like, if you, uh, uh, if you want to, if you want to really make a difference in this world and you, and you want to be more than just your job, 
right? Like do something and help us break down those gates because we need more people in InfoSec. We need more people. We need great people. And if you are willing to teach and mentor and, and build the next generation, then help me. Love it, Naomi. Do you think that last question I have for you is, do you think if we got rid of resume scanners, do you think it would be a better process or do you think it'd be a much worse process? Well, what's interesting is like some companies actually review all the resumes. So like for me, and I think for sure, like, was it one of the, um, one of the big tech companies? I forget. I think it's like Amazon. They actually review all of the resumes uh, by human. So like for me, the 60 that came in, I actually reviewed all of them. So yeah, did it come in through an ATS and yeah, did it like parse it and stuff? Like, yeah, sure. But in most cases, like we're going to look at it so in most cases, at least that I can think of. Uh, I don't really have the data here to back that up. But if we just get rid of the scanners and stuff, I don't think that's going to solve anything because in a lot of times we're not going to want to miss people. So I do review all the resumes. I, I look for the potential in people, right? But that's what I'm thinking is, we're never going to solve this with technology ever. So you might as well start looking for, for potential in whatever process that you do have. So if you have an ATS uh, applicant tracking system, which everyone does, um, you know, don't build rules that will like automatically decline people, at least like maybe put them in a bucket somewhere that you can go and review later, right? Like don't just automatically reject them. Just take a look at what they might be able to bring, see potential in people. And again, that's something you can do today. It doesn't matter what system you use or what kind of like process you might have for hiring, at least look for their potential. There's ways of doing that. You can even go out on GitHub or on LinkedIn or on Twitter and see who's really active on, on social media and like who's really putting themselves out there. That's the kind of people that we need. The people who are proud to do this on their own time and to like learn and grow and to like really get gritty with stuff, right? Like that's the kind of people we need in cybersecurity, not the people who are really just in it for the money and be like, what search do I need? What graduate or what like college should I go to? You're like, like, like that's all well and good, but we also want the people with, who are already doing this on their own. Like that's the people we need, you know, look for their potential. Love it. Well, Naomi, thank you for creating such an organization and really bringing this more into the light um, about whole lip service, I would call it, right? Um, and making actual practical actions towards making something much better. So thank you, Naomi, for being on today's podcast. Thank you for creating an organization. And anyone who's interested in learning more, the link will be posted below this po podcast episode. And I hope everyone's doing well. And thank you again, Naomi. It was lovely oh, to have you. It was awesome. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Changemaking Podcast with Chloe Mestagi. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.